Jeff did a great job of, of announcing this, but we do have the Lottie Moon offering. And next Sunday, it's Christmas. Next Sunday, the 25th, is Christmas. And I'm praying and hoping that you will bring an offering to Jesus on that day. I mean, it's his birthday we celebrate. And we want to see his word carried around the world. And that's what this is all about, is supporting those who are carrying the gospel all around the world. And I hope that you will not only give, but my prayer is that you would give sacrificially, uh, even as God has, has blessed us. Um, and it's a wonderful blessing that he has given us. Also, um, on your uh, way out today in the Great Hall, there are sign-ups for our uh, Connect small groups. So if you want to look those over and pray over those and figure out uh, which group you'd like to be in this coming year, uh, there's names and addresses of who's facilitating and where they're meeting, and, and you can sign up there. You can also go to our website, and we haven't talked a whole lot about our website recently, but it's been um, under construction, and it's up and running now, and uh, so you need to go check that out if you haven't seen it. It's, it's at www.memorialchurch.us, and um, what, a, what a blessing it is. So uh, it's on the bulletin. You can find it there. Um, today we're going to be in the second chapter of Luke, Luke chapter 2. And, um, you know, when I'm thinking through and reading through this Christmas story, I can't think of two groups of people any more diverse than the angels and the shepherds. I mean, our, our narrative, our story, our account here, um, it gives both of those. And, and despite these huge differences in, 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 in the matter of Christmas, the angels and the shepherds display sur surprising similarity. They're both in wonder at the birth of our Christ, of our Lord. You know, they're both in awe of that. They are both just there in awe of it. For centuries, Christians have celebrated the awe and the joy of the birth of the Savior. But the very first was this odd coupling of the angels and the shepherds. They come from very different perspectives, but they come from and to the same conclusion. The birth of God the Savior is awesome and wondrous. I mean, we're singing this morning, glory in the highest. Some of us are probably thinking, well, I'm just kind of cold this morning, Ridge. You need to kind of shake that cold off and let the, the warmth of, of, of Jesus warm your soul. Because he's in this place with us. God is with us. He came to this earth. And, and, and I love this account. I want to read in John, or excuse me, Luke chapter 2. Verse 8 and following. And God's word says this. It says, In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. 
For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. Let's pray together. Loving Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have this morning to read your word, to study your word, to worship together. Father, to be with and in the presence of you and our brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, what a, what a wonder you are, how you have blessed us so much. Father, I want to thank you for this time. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts and open our minds to see the truth that you have for us today. God, we love you. I pray that your Holy Spirit would have his way in each one of our hearts. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, when I read through this account, I think of the word wonder. W-O-N-D-E-R. You know, a sense of awe. Wonder. I mean, what is wonder? Wonder is, we experience wonder when our expectations are exceeded. You know, when we, when we go in and we think about something and, and our expectations are, are exceeded, we have a sense of wonder. We say, wow, that was wonderful. That was wonderful. Wonder is being astonished at the fantastic. I want to say jolted by the splendor. Can you imagine those, those shepherds there? How they were jolted by the splendor of, oh my gosh, look at this. Isn't this wonderful? Look at all of this. They were in awe. They were jolted by splendor. I mean, wonder is a byproduct of being in the presence of something that literally takes your breath away. You've been there and I have too. When we saw something that was so incredible, so fantastic, that we just stood there and all we could do was stand there speechless, staring, without words, in awe. That's what wonder is. But you see, there's also an element of our will in wonder. Because a person can choose not to be impressed. We can choose not to be impressed. 
See, in the Christmas story, the angels are busy. They're out there delivering messages. I mean, the first angel we encounter is the archangel named Gabriel. And he's apparently a high-ranking uh, angel. And, and his, um, his name means warrior of God. I would be in fear of Gabriel. If Gabriel was standing in front of me, I would be just like Zacharias. I would be speechless. Because I got nothing to say. But I will stand in awe. Or kneel or bow or whatever. I mean, it, you know, you see this warrior of God before you. Zechariah was speechless. He told Zechariah that his childless wife was going to bear a child. And he would be the forerunner of the Messiah. Six months later, Gabriel appears to young Mary. Tells her she's going to give birth to the Messiah. He appears to her in this obscure village of Nazareth. He also made a visit to her betrothed, Joseph. And assured him that of Mary's purity and the miracle that she carried in her womb. Nine months later, we see an angel, Gabriel we presume, suddenly appears in these Judean skies. There he is, in the sky. I mean, I can look at him, he's right back there. No, there's a, there's a stained glass up there of an angel. It's not Gabriel, I don't know, it might be supposed to be Gabriel. But... He appears in the skies over the shepherds' fields while they're watching their sheep. The brilliance of his appearance is exceeded only by this stunning message. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. When the warrior of God tells you, don't be afraid, that's a good sign. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's the greatest news anybody could ever hear. That we now have a Savior. Because we need a Savior. I love this. Up to this point, the angels have really served as messengers. We might think that's their primary function, is to be a messenger from God. But think again. When Isaiah saw what Isaiah saw in the throne room, what he saw in the throne room of God, he saw the primary function of angels. Their primary function is to praise and to worship God. That's what angels do. That's what they're created to do is to, to praise and worship God. And, and here is what Isaiah heard the angels occupying themselves with when they were in the presence of God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is full of His glory. As soon as they finish praising God for His excellence, something else comes on and they praise God for something else that he does. It, it, it follows one right after another. They are continually praising God for all eternity. That's what angels do. In Revelation 4 and 5, John is given a glimpse of heaven and he reveals that the angels are declaring the holiness of God and they call as well for the redeemed of God to worship God. 
Worship God for his creation and worship Christ for his salvation. I mean, we see that's what they do. Angels spend eternity praising God for his creation and his salvation. But when the angel announces to these shepherds that Christ, the Savior of humanity, has been born in Bethlehem, the angels can no longer contain themselves. Think about this. They're in the presence of God and they bust through to declare what God's glory is here on earth to men, to people. They break their silence. They reveal their presence. I want to say they, they clear off a patch of Judean sky and have a hallelujah fit. Amen. I mean, they get after it. There's something so wondrous about this event that it interrupts the perpetual praise around the throne of God. Think about that. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. And notice, the angel can only observe salvation. They can only watch it. Because only a redeemed sinner can actually experience salvation. And that's why we call it amazing grace. Because it's for us. And that's really what this announcement is about. So now in contrast to these angels are the shepherds who also wonder at the message of Christmas. I mean, it makes sense that the angels would be trusted with the single most important message that the world was ever to hear. We get that because they, they worship, they stand in the presence of God all the time. We understand why he trusts them with it. It seems reasonable that they would see the glory of this event and reach a new height in praise to God. But it seems crazy unbelievable that God would break the news first to shepherds. I mean, really? I mean, the people in the first century, they, they had a very low opinion of shepherds. I mean, shepherds were... Probably younger men, and I'm not putting any younger men down. I'm just saying they were probably younger men. They, uh, because of their work, they were considered unclean. They couldn't participate in worship at the temple. I think that's significant. That they couldn't participate in worship at the temple. They weren't able to participate in the cleaning and cleansing rituals. And as a result, they were permanently shut out of ever being acceptable to offer even one of their own sheep, one of their own lambs, in the temple sacrifice. I mean, the book of Numbers tells us that making someone a shepherd was a form of punishment for those who offended society. They were also viewed as thieves. Are you kind of getting a picture of these people we call shepherds? But what does every young boy want to be in the Christmas play? I want to be a shepherd. They weren't really looked on with all that much favor. 
I mean, a shepherd's testimony was considered so untrustworthy that it wasn't even allowed in a court of law. I mean, think about that. This is whom God revealed and trusted to deliver the most incredible news on earth was somebody whose reputation was untrustworthy even in a court of law. Now we were sharing in our small groups a couple of weeks ago and um, little Evie she was toddling around there, around er, uh, Curtis and, and Lori Eichenloff's Christmas tree. She was walking around there, and she was fascinated by one particular red ball that was about this big. And she kept going over to that ball and reaching out for it. And just about the time she would reach out for it, Michael would be there and he'd scoop her up and take her away and, and uh, go back and sit down. And pretty soon she was right back over there walking towards that ball. You know, she was going to get that ornament. But her daddy was ever vigilant over her curiosity. You know, sometimes you find something expensive or breakable in the hands of a small child. Raising five children, I know. I've lived Michael Gunter's nightmare. <laughs> Going to break something that belongs to someone else. You quickly seek to rescue that object away from them. You know, you want to you take it away from them because the child doesn't understand uh, either how expensive something is or how precious or fragile it might be. And so we want to take that from them. So here are men who are involved in a way of life that prevents them from ever worshiping God at the temple. People who automatically are considered thieves and liars. And this is the first person that God entrusted the good news of the Savior to. I mean, it boggles my mind. It's like putting, the, putting thieves in charge of the bank. I mean, what are they going to do with it? Are, are they just going to squander it? Are they just going to waste it? Are they just going to, to, to what? I mean, and that's really, when I think about these shepherds, I mean, he's given them the most trusted, the most, it, it, you know, um, wonderful news that mankind has ever heard, and he's entrusting it to them. I mean, the riches of God in tr that's entrusted to people who regularly exchange his glory for something lesser. It would cause even people in the first century to wonder when they heard this story. See, everything about this first Christmas is filled with wonder. The message, the messengers, the means by which it occurred, it could not, this, this story could not have been conceived even by the, 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 the most creative people in all of the world. You see, God was at work, and it was wonderful. It creates wonder. So how do we recover the wonder of Christmas? How do we grab hold of that? How do we, how do we recover that? In verse 9, we're told that the shepherds are surrounded 
by the visible glory of the Lord, the visible presence of the Lord. Wonder begins in the presence of the Lord. Wonder begins in the presence of the Lord. I mean, what was true for the shepherds is true for you and me. Because all around us, in this place, in other places, all around us is the presence of God. The problem is not on His end. The problem's on our end. Life has gotten too busy. Or life has gotten too burdensome for us to see God's wondrous presence all around us in the ordinary details of life. <laughs> you know, last night, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a couple in our church that recently had twins. Little boy, little girl. I held one of the curly babies last night. Their last name is Curly. Her name was McKinley Curly. Precious little thing, just, just right here. I was sitting on the couch in Brian and Tamara Massengill's house holding this sweet little baby. Oh, she was precious. I got accused of hogging the baby. Rightly so. Here's my point. As I looked into her innocent little face, I believed that I was looking into the face of God. His work. His creation. I didn't care what else was going on in the room. I was enamored by that little girl. And the fact that she is a miracle from God. To see God's miracle. To see the wonder of what he could do. Those little fingers. That little smile. I don't care if it was gas. It made my heart jump with joy. This little sweet baby. To see what God can do. That is wonder. It took my breath away. Y'all just get on with the gift exchange, whatever you want to do. I'm going to hold this baby. Because I feel like right now I'm on holy ground. Staring into the face of God. You know, that's wonder. It's like children sometimes when they recognize their hands for the first time. And they're like, whoa. Wow, check this out. I can pick stuff up. I can move it here. They're in wonder of their hands. Or maybe they see a butterfly that, that becomes, you know, a, a caterpillar that, that, that emerges from its chrysalis and becomes a butterfly. It's like, wow, that is so cool. That is God at work. That's his creation. See, moments of wonder like that are important to us. 
And these things do much more than enrich our lives. For those who have eyes to see, it reveals that our world is more than material, more than energy, more than chance. There is a wonderful creator whose fingerprints are all over this world. But we have to have eyes to see. We have to recognize it. I mean, God is here. He is present, He is active in this beautiful world that He created. He is present and active in the people that we encounter. His, our eyes are meant to recognize His activity and His presence in our world. We're meant to see His greatness and His goodness. It's recognizing the presence of God that restores us to wonder. If we will only look for Him. Could it be that one of the purposes God has for Christmas is to open our physical eyes and our spiritual eyes that we might see that He is here? Moments of wonder cause us to be aware of His presence. I mean, how do we recover the wonder of Christmas? See, wonder spreads the message of God. I mean, God could have given his message to Caesar. He could have given his message to Herod. He could have given his message, I don't know, to the the mayor of Bethlehem. But he chose to give it to the shepherds. He gives the message to common, everyday people so they can share his message with others. They knew That good news was for sharing. Their witness was natural. It was a spontaneous overflow of their heart. You know, once a a year, the world has a day of clarity. December 25th. Pretty much everything stops. Families gather. Businesses stand still. Traffic clears. Even the atheist thinks about a baby that was declared to be the Savior of the world. Then it seems like the world slips back into a coma about Jesus. One day a year, it's like we see with clarity. And then we just kind of fade back away from it and it's gone. See, people who come to know Christ have to share the wonder of their Savior. I mean, maybe the reason Christians witness so little is because we wonder so rarely at what God has done for us. I mean, before our neighbors and our our friends or our co-workers slip back into the coma about Jesus, why don't we ask them to be a part of what we're doing for Christmas? So that maybe... Just maybe God will do something wondrous in their lives, like maybe save them for all eternity. I mean, how do we recover the wonder of Christmas? Because the wonder produces the worship of God. I mean, the Bible indicates that the first response to the wonder of God is worship. I mean, look at the... Look at the first word the angels, uh, of, the, of the angels to the shepherds in verse 14. It says, glory to God in the highest. 
The first thing that the angels said after he announced good news, when they showed up in force, was glory to God in the highest. They didn't say, well, God sent a redeemer. They said, glory to God. They were praising God. But see, the first response of the angels was to break the news. When they broke the news is to, is to worship the Lord. The whole world needs to be saved. But the first word is not about a Savior. The first word is about God. God always holds first place. Maybe not in your world, but he does in his world. And this is his world. He owns it all. He created it all. He is the God and the, and the earth, the fullness thereof, belongs to him. See, to cultivate the wonder of God's presence, we must place worship as the priority in our life. Don't limit it to just worship experiences. The psalmist may have been looking up into a clear night, sparkling with stars when he said, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. See, he's, he's looking into the heavens. He's marveling at the work of his creator. He sees God's goodness, his power, his wisdom. But more importantly, he is aware that he is in the presence of God. As he stands there and looks at the stars, he is in the presence of God wherever he might be. And that produces worship of God. See, the excitement of these shepherds. <laughs> it says, so they came in a hurry. And found their way to Mary and Joseph. They came in a hurry. <laughs> it's like children chasing an ice cream truck in the middle of July. It's kind of hard to imagine that today. Probably more like the hot cocoa truck. But they wasted no time getting to see Christ. More precisely, they left their job to worship the baby who is Christ the Lord. They left their job. This is the most glorious day in human history. A Savior has been born. <laughs> Work can wait. Opening presents can wait. Worrying about finances can wait. Grieving over loved ones who have died can wait. Worship is the most important thing that we can do right now. Amen. See, worshiping God is at the very heart of what Christmas is all about. It's only in worship that our grieving can give way to hope that we will be reunited with those Christian family members who have died. It's in worship that that becomes hope. It's only in worship that we recognize that God is bigger than all of the worries that we carry around with us. It's in worship that we recognize that our family is a gift of God and is to be cherished and not taken for granted. Oh, but we do. We take those around us, our families, our church family, for granted. See, I trust this is why many of you are here today. 
you and I both know that everything is not right in our lives. That all things are not right in our lives. There are events of the past, the present, that cause you great distress. But you're here because deep down you know the truth. You know that moving into the middle of your family, you know that moving into the middle of your life with all the problems, with with all your successes, with all the anxiety and all your hopes, there is God in the middle, in the mix. See, I believe that's why you're here today. Is because that deep down you believe that. Because you know that at the end of the day, there's only one source of true joy. And his name is Jesus. The fact that God gave us his son, Jesus Christ, so that we might be saved. So that we wouldn't face the punishment of our own sin. So that our families could be reconciled. So there would be a way of forgiveness. There would be a way that our church family could be reconciled. That when we offend one another, we can ask for forgiveness. And forgiveness can be given because we serve a mighty God. Because Jesus Christ died on the cross that we would be forgiven of our sin. So who is my brother that I can't forgive his or her sin? You see, that's it. That's why we gather. We gather together and drop everything to come to worship. It's time to praise God for what he's done in our lives. It's time to be joyful. And that's where real worship begins. Being thankful for the things that God has already given us. The things that he's already done. But in a society that wants more and more and and is eat up by greed and consumerism and materialism, all we want is more. We want to be entertained. But when we get real with God and we begin to count up the things that he has done in our life and how blessed we are, then worship can begin in our heart. And we pour it out to him. That's where the sense of wonder comes from. When we stand before God breathless because of what he has already done for each one of us. That's wonder. I love this. Because it says when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. So incredible. So undeniable. These people are liars and thieves. And they're saying, we saw the Savior of the world. We saw the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We saw the face of God in the face of this baby. See, Christmas celebrates that Jesus came. That God came crashing into our world in the form of a baby so that he might live a sinless life 
and pay our sin debt. That happened a long time ago. But that same Jesus, he said, one day I'm coming again. I wouldn't doubt it. I would put my faith and trust in that. He said he's coming again. And really the point is this. Are you ready? Because if you've never trusted in him for eternal life, if you've never put your faith and trust in him, you've never acknowledged him as the Lord of Lords, then you need to do that. Because if you haven't done that, the Bible says you are still in your sins and you're dying and you're going to go to a place called hell. I don't think that's a very good place from everything I read and hear about it. But the problem is, is you don't have to go there. The solution is Jesus. He gave his life for us. So my question is, are you ready? As a believer, will you invite others? Will you spread the message about what God has done? I want to ask if you'd pray with me. Loving Father, I thank you for this time. And I thank you for your word. And I ask God that this morning, that your Holy Spirit would convict us and would draw us close to you. And Father, if there are things in our lives that that aren't right, that today we would make them right with you. Father, help us as your people to, to capture the wonder of Christmas again. Father, that it wouldn't be a, a routine thing. Father, that we would recognize the significance, the hugeness of this event and how all of human history has changed because of Jesus. And Father, that we would be willing to give everything that we have to see Jesus Christ glorified. To see you magnified in our lives and in our world. Father, I know that the enemy is stepping up his attacks. But Father, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So, Father, I pray that today Christ would be set apart in our hearts, that he would be magnified, that we would give our allegiance to Jesus Christ and no no one else, no other entity, no other king. And, Father, that today lives would be changed, hearts would be transformed, families would be put back together, And your will would be done in each one of our lives. Father, we ask this in the mighty and precious name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Amen.